Hi, Desmond. Hey. Hi, sorry, I just wasn't able to connect with that other link. It's okay, no worries. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you so much. How are you? Doing good as well. Just got home from work. Nice. Did you have a good work day? Yes, it moves by fast. <laughs> you know, on a Wednesday, you can't really ask for much more. Not at all. How about your day? Um, It was pretty sort of kind of busy. I had a couple of meetings earlier and then um, I had to go to the fabric store. So kind of sort of a regular day for me. Got you. Hey, as long as you keep you so busy, that's what matters. Yeah, busy, productive, busy, good. Exactly. So before we start, I just want to say thank you for accepting my invitation to come on to my podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. No problem at all. So your first topic is what are some good tips to start and maintain a fitness regimen? Good tips to start and maintain a fitness regimen, I would say, is look at your schedule and be completely honest with yourself with your time. Um, I think so much of being consistent really depends on the time that you're carving out for it. And if you're a person who's working, you know, 15, 16 hours a day, realistically, you're probably going to be really tired by the time that you come home. So you have to be honest with what your day looks like. You know, we know 15 hours in this example is going to work. And, you know, what? how much time are you sleeping? That, that might not be the best day to work out on. Um, so look at your schedule for a week. Look at your schedule for the month and and see what makes sense with all the things that you've got going on. And then schedule your workouts within your your day to day so that you have the chance of actually being consistent with yourself. And even if, you know, just starting out, it's only one day a week or two days a week, that's okay. The goal is to just be consistent at first. Um, and your best opportunity for being consistent is finding the time in your schedule that actually makes sense for you. That makes perfect sense. Cause like you said, we all have a crazy work schedule for majority of the time. So it can be hard to fit in your workout schedule. So yeah. do you think it's um, smart to hire a personal trainer? I think you have to know your personality. If you're someone who, you know, you create that to-do list and you get everything done on your to-do list and you're good at following instructions. So you might be able to follow along with you know, it's somebody's Instagram post or YouTube video or, or, you know, the Peloton app, then you might not need a personal trainer. If you're someone who sometimes lacks um, some discipline, some self-discipline or know-how, or you need someone to show you how to do the thing step-by-step, step, then I think that a personal trainer might make sense for you. Um, I think it really just depends on the personality of the, of the person. Me, myself, I don't, I've never really loved working with a trainer. When I was competing and doing fitness competitions, I had a coach at that time, just because I was trying to do something that I didn't even know how to do. It was so intense and so far beyond a regular personal trainer that like the average person would need that I needed someone to show me how to do it. But even with my trainer, 
once she has her own gym, once I was with her for probably six months and I knew what to do and I, I kind of had like my form down pat and I, I was like dedicated and all in, I didn't even need to have her as a trainer anymore. So what we did after about the first six months was I just worked out at her gym every day in preparation for my competitions. And she would kind of keep her eye on me. And that was it. So like she'd say, oh, you know, maybe add another set or do this instead of that. But it was more quick verbal instruction than it was her standing next to me for an hour showing me what to do. Um, I think it just depends on the person. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Now you got to know your personality. And what your goals are. So if you have a really far out there goal, like what I did, you probably will need a coach or a trainer of some type, some type, some sort. If you're going to do like the New York City Marathon or you're going to do like a um, like major uh, triathlon or something that's a little bit more intense, you probably do need a coach. But if if it's just you know, to, to go to the gym consistently or just to lose a few pounds, you might not need it for, for that as you start to, cause they're expensive. So, you know, kind of weigh your options with where you think you need the coach. If it's, if you're starting to plateau and you feel like you've taken yourself as far as you can, then maybe you add the coach there. Um, but because of the price of them and depending on what people's budgets and incomes and things are, I would say if you are able to get yourself through the, the first few months and, you know, can be consistent with it, maybe you save the coach for when it gets a little more intense. It's best to plan ahead. Yeah. Definitely. So your next topic is how does someone not only start a fashion brand, but maintain it over time? <laughs> um. There's a lot of ways that you can start a fashion brand in 2022. You can, you know, be more traditional and, uh, you know, go to school, get the know-how, work for some people, and then start your brand when you feel like you're ready. You can, you have people who are very successful with a drop ship model where they are designing something and then another company is perhaps printing it or making it. And then the the company sends it direct to the consumer. Um, You have a lot of people who, if you have a large enough audience, maybe you can partner or collab with a brand uh, and put your name on it as well. And then, you know, start your, your brand that way. There's so many ways in 2022 to get it started. Regardless of how you start though, I would definitely say it's wise to understand who your consumer is and why they're buying the thing they're buying from you and like what that value proposition is for you that you're offering to your audience. Um, And really just be wise with knowing your audience. The audience is such a large part of it, regardless of which approach you choose that you really have to understand who your, your, your people are in terms of how you maintain it it's really your audience. Your audience is, is who's going to maintain that for you. So when you have the, 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 the magic of making something that the people you're trying to talk to love and you can continually reproduce and make iterations of that thing and continually offer them things that they love, 
you that's one of the the key things to being able to stay in business the other thing is going to definitely be to get them what they want at a price that's affordable right so right um, you're going to pay one price for your cost of goods and then you're going to sell it for another price your retail price um so you, you want to make sure that you're buying things where you can make a profit off of it you know so um just simple economics at that point um and then marketing to your audience and making them feel valued are definitely ways to to keep them around because we've heard of those stories where a company you know local store or company whatever maybe as the, the population likes what they have but when you go in there the the staff is mean or they're never nice to you when you go in or you don't, it just makes you not want to spend your money. Um, and regardless of how large or successful a company is, they can only maintain that for but so long when they're not treating their, their customers properly. So good customer service, knowing your audience um, and understanding economics so that you're, you're, you're able to create a profit, I think are the ways to maintain a brand. You hear that, everybody up and coming um, people who are entrepreneurs, you follow this model, you will be successful, I promise. And hard work. Like, let's not forget that part. <laughs> yes, that's the most important thing. You got to be wanting to put the hours in. Yes. Definitely. They say, they say um, talent beats hard work when, what, what is it? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Exactly. Yeah, you could be most talented person at something, but somebody's gonna outwork you is gonna get to the destination before you will, because they want it more. Exactly. So, your next topic is where do body image issues start come from? Um, in today's day and age, they come from a few places. I think that you know, kids see their parents having very negative self-talk so you might have a little girl who witnesses her mom calling herself you know I look fat in these jeans or I don't I don't look good in this dress or you know kids are always around watching us when we don't think they are so I think that that's one place that people start to to hear it I think another place is also on you know social media the internet Instagram YouTube TikTok as humans, we often compare ourselves to other people. So we might see that that girl on Instagram or on TikTok where all she does, and we don't realize this, but it might be her job to work out all day, every day. And she's in the gym. Maybe she's a trainer. She never tells us that. She just posts pictures of herself looking amazing. And we compare ourselves to and how we look in the moment that we're seeing her to her. And I think that that's another place where um, body image issues are created. And then I think some, you know, sometimes like the old school way we'll be with our friends. So, you know, I'm tall and I used to have short friends that were always shorter than me in like high school and middle school. And I would compare me and my body type at, you know, five, eight to them and their body type at, four eleven, five feet tall. And it's just not fair. Like I'm always going to be bigger in stature. I'm going to have a, a larger shoe size. I'm going to wear a larger size in, you know, jeans and shirts because I'm eight inches taller than this person. Right. Um, so I, I think that it can come from 
a few different places. I think at the end of the day, when it's parents, uh, that, that first example that I gave, I think we have to be really careful and mindful what we're saying out loud around children, whether it's young, young men or young women, um, because they, they look up to us. So if you see your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, and you're you know, 10 years old, and this is someone that you look up to, or everybody tells you, you, you look just like your dad, you look just like your mom. And then 20 minutes later, you hear your mom talking to herself about how fat she thinks she is. What's the takeaway for the child, you know? Um, right. So I think it's important that we're aware of what's coming out our mouth whenever we know kids are in the house, because even if we don't see them, it doesn't mean that they don't hear us. I think in terms of social media and being around our friends, we have to get to a place where we don't compare. We just exist. And that's easier said than done. Um, but, you know, if you're starting to scroll and you, you're feeling a certain way as you move past certain accounts, maybe it's time to get off social media in that moment. Maybe you do an overhaul of who you're following. And if you're following someone that makes you feel inferior, maybe you stop following that person so you just don't see it anymore. Um, but you have to start to put positive in in that place to, so that you're not always comparing and you're kind of strengthening your own existence and your own soul. Mm, I agree because nobody can be you but you. You can't be somebody else. Yeah. And but as humans, all of us do it, you know, we're we're constantly comparing and it's 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 to our own detriment. It doesn't do anybody any good. No, no. It's okay if somebody motivate you to be the best version of yourself in a positive way, instead of looking at a person's body like, why does this person look better than me in this way, or why are they dress better than me in this other way? And I feel like we do that too much in society. I agree. You're so right. Uh, if it's used for motivation, that's a different energy altogether. But if it's like comparing or, you know, e even one step further, being negative and hateful towards that person, because the way we feel about ourselves when we see them makes us feel, you know, like, ah, oh, well, she, we're saying, you know, bullying type things to the person because we don't like what we see because we don't feel comfortable with ourselves. It, it can go too far. Exactly. And that's why, especially like, I, I don't know if it goes on as much anymore in the modeling industry. Like there'd be some girls who are afraid of their figure. So they try to do everything possible to stay skinny. I, I don't know if it's changed over time, but. It may have changed ever so slightly, but I would imagine that it's still out there. I just think people probably don't talk about it. You know, you never know what someone's thinking or how they feel or what's going on in their mind, because quiet as it's kept, some of these, um, you know, models and, and, and people that we're looking to and, you know, um, admiring, some of them have some of the worst self-talk ever. They're, they're human too. At the end of the day, we're all human. So, you know, they might see a picture of themselves and not feel good about the way they look, despite the fact that everybody thinks they look amazing. You know, sometimes, it doesn't matter how other people see you. It's how you feel about yourself. And if, if you don't have that inner peace with who you are and how you look, 
nothing that anybody says is going to make you feel better about yourself. Right. Cause it all starts with you. Really does. And that's kind of what I was touching on before when I was saying, if you are following a bunch of people that make you feel insecure, don't follow them, right? Like follow things, follow accounts and people and things that are going to make you feel good about who you are and how you look and, and the life that you're living. Um, because at the end of the day, you have to exist. You have to exist within you, right? You have to yes be at peace with yourself so at what point did you become comfortable with your body i think that's a daily thing honestly like um you know every day that i wake up my body is different than the day that it was before and that's just natural you know as you as you work out your body changes subtly every day as you age your body changes subtly every day um for the most part, I would say I'm pretty comfortable with who I am and, and the way that I look. Um, but, you know, I have my moments. I was bullied a lot as a child. And I think for me, I think a lot of my confidence just came very young because I was being bullied and I, I didn't really have a lot of other options at the time. That so was either I'm going to love myself the way that I am or I'm going to just be tormented every day that I come to school because it's not like the the kids that were bullying me were going to make me feel good about myself. So when I was five or six or seven, you know, I was, I was working on self-love and self-confidence, which is a really young age to be doing that kind of work. Most people don't do it until later on in life, but I didn't really have a choice. Um, I, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I think it's constantly being worked on. Yeah. And they wonder why most kids who do get bullied um, either do something negative or commit suicide. Like the, the suicide rate is high. And like, I don't understand um, why kids like to bully other kids. I don't either. As the kid who was getting bullied, I can remember like I had, I was five years old with ulcers, you know, it was, it was bad. And I can just remember the relief I felt when it was the end of the school day and it was time to finally go home. And I could remember the, the angst in the pit of my stomach when it was morning time and it was time to get ready to go to school. And those were like, that feeling of like dread. And I don't want to go to school because I know these kids are going to pick on me again you know they have no new material it's all the same all the same things that they're saying over and over again and it was just the worst and you know thankfully my parents are amazing and figured out what to do and say so that i i would feel better about who i was but it was really them they were kind of just like so these kids are going to pick at you what are you going to do about it right like you can't like yep. you can't fight everyone all the time that's not possible um, you can either, you know, cower and, and let what they say affect you and, and change who you are, or you can, you know, I'm tell yourself you're beautiful, ignore them and just be confident in your skin. And that was what I learned how to do at five. And I was just about to ask you, how did you get through that time period? My parents, my, parents, my family, my brother, um, 
you know, and eventually as I got older, the kids, once they saw that their bullying didn't bother me anymore, they just stopped doing it. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Cause once the minute you show a bully that bothers you, you're usually in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I just, I really just went into that confidence and it, the confidence just kind of became like my armor and it became the way that I protected myself. And I just, I just didn't care. Um, and I learned that I can't control what other people think about me. I cannot, nothing that I do or say will affect the way that another human being chooses to, to view me or think about me. I can't change their thoughts. I can't go in their brain. And I just stopped trying, you know, like if, if someone was going to like me, they were going to like me because of who I was and not because I was trying to be something that they wanted me to be. And I'm still very much like that to this day. If you like me, great. If you don't like me, great. Like I don't lose sleep over it in either instance. I can't control I, it. I have the same personality. <laughs> you can't because you can't. You can't. <laughs> life is so much easier that way though, right? Right. You have to live your life. Nobody's going to, nobody's paying your bills for you. They're not keeping a roof over your head and all the other stuff. Like you're doing this yourself for you. Yeah. It takes time though. Like in that moment when you're getting picked on or you feel down on yourself or when you're in the moment, it feels like despair. It feels like there's no end. It feels like, you know, it's that it's, you're that kid again, all over getting ready to go to school and the entire walk to school or car ride or bus ride to school, that knot in your stomach just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're just waiting for the school day to be over so you can get that relief. And I understand. I really do. I get it. But I would just say, just know that that doesn't last forever. At some point in time, you'll get past that, that feeling and you'll grow out of it. You'll get better. They'll change. Something will happen. Um, and it okay. won't last there forever. There we go. Hello? Nope. Like you said, you have to have the self-confidence within yourself to just see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And talk to someone if you need to. Like if you are so in it and you feel like there's no end in sight and you're thinking of harming yourself or harming someone else, just talk to somebody because it doesn't have to get to that point. Um, there's always a, a, another solution to, to solving the problem. Um, because it's easy to sit here and say, you know, just be confident, but it takes work to get to that point of being confident enough to where what they say doesn't bother you. Um, and if you're not quite there yet, talk to somebody for maybe some coping mechanisms or, or ways to deal. Um, but you know, definitely don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Cause that doesn't happen overnight. It definitely takes time. It does. So your next topic is you touched on it a little bit a couple minutes ago, but in your opinion, what are some ways we can improve our self-talk? I think the first thing is to recognize that you have negative self-talk. If you ask most people if they're negative, they're probably going to say no. So, you know, you kind of have to in the moment that you're saying the thing about yourself, you have to be aware that you're saying the thing about yourself. 
So I would say start off by being conscious of the way that you speak to yourself. What did you just say to yourself? Is that helping you or is that hurting you? Um, when you try clothes on, what are the things that you're saying to yourself? And maybe at first you write all of that down, right? Maybe you kind of take inventory of, of what you're saying to yourself and write your thoughts down. And of those thoughts, are there any that need to be changed? Once you're aware of what you're saying, then you can start to work on changing what you're saying, but you can't change until you have awareness. Um, once you have awareness and you're, you realize, okay, I probably am saying some not nice things to myself. I would say focus on, rather than focusing on what you don't like, just flip it and focus on what you do like. So if the negative self-talk is, you know, I look so ugly in this dress, for example, what's something that you look pretty in or, or uh, something that you look handsome in? Um, and maybe identify those articles of clothing or those things that make you feel the best about yourself and, and start, I start saying that I look great in this dress. I look great in these pants. I look amazing in these jeans and start doing actions that also make you feel good. So if you like, if you feel really pretty after you wash your face, wash your face. If you feel really great after a workout, go work out. When we start to match our actions with what we're saying about ourselves, we can start to create a dialogue of self-talk that's more conducive to probably living the life the way that we want to live it. Yes, because I feel like every morning your self-talk starts right then and there when you first wake up. It sure does. And, you know, a good way to counteract that is when you wake up, just go over things that you're grateful for. So if you're not ready to deal with you yourself as an individual, that's okay. Like, let's do some gratitude. Let's do some, you know, positive self-talk just starting off. You know, I'm amazing. Thank you for this day. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my job. Whatever it is that you're grateful for, start off the day on the positive foot before you even look at yourself in the mirror. And then because you've kind of set the tone of gratitude, gratefulness, happiness, once you look at yourself, you've kind of primed your brain to also follow suit with saying perhaps some positive things about yourself. I'm amazing. Today's going to be a good day. But the same way that we trained ourselves to get so used to negative self-talk, you can untrain that as well. You just have to, to kind of do some things to, to untrain it. And that's another thing that takes time as well. Yeah. They say habits take about 30 days to form. So if you positively speak to yourself every day for 30 days and you mean it and you commit to it, by the end of 30 days, you're much further along than you would have been if you didn't start. Exactly. And we I'm, all have to start somewhere. Yeah. I'm not suggesting any of this work is easy either. Like the, it requires a lot of honesty with ourselves, which is really hard. Um, it requires perhaps addressing some issues that have happened in the past that made us feel the way that we feel, but it's worth it. We are each worth feeling good about who we are as individuals. I totally agree with you on that one. Definitely. It's probably the one work that you should never give up on. <laughs> right. Amen. <laughs> no matter how long it takes, like it, it's not going to happen overnight, but 
no matter how long it takes, committing to loving yourself is worth every second that you devote to it. That's right. So your next topic is what, who are some of the fashion icons that you looked up to when you were growing up before becoming a fashion designer yourself? I loved Alexander McQueen, um, Oscar de la Renta, original Dior. Um, I really enjoy well-made clothing. Uh, even my grandmother, she was a expert, like master seamstress. Um, I enjoyed looking at her work. Anything made beautifully where the way it was constructed is kind of like a work of art. Love it. Nice. And you got your inspiration from somewhere. Yeah, my um, my dad's mom was a like expert seamstress, and my mom's mom was a fashion designer. And I just I think I picked up those jeans. <laughs> there you go. It's passed down from one person to another. Yeah, I really love the way that the women in my family dress and still dress to this day the style that they had, um, how they put things together, the way they, they viewed clothes. So I think a lot of it just comes from that. Nice. And I'm glad you're able to share that bond with your family. Thank you. I am too. You're welcome. So the next topic um, for our listeners, what are some tips you can share to help them always have great style. Tips to share to always have great style. It, I would say curating a closet that, uh, that affords you that luxury. So it's not even about necessarily how much you spend on the garment, but choosing garments that work well for your body type and then choosing pieces that work well with the other things that you have in your closet. So that when you're in a rush or you just have to throw something on, if you've got strong pieces that are great, you know, to, to build your own personal style around, you'll always look good. That's right. But it we, goes back to self-confidence and you knowing what styles you like. Yeah. And what works for your body. That's huge because everybody's body is different. So you want to take into consideration your shape, your proportions, what colors look good on you, but being aware of how things fit and look on your body is probably the biggest thing that you could do towards having consistent, great personal style. So that when you go into your closet, everything in your closet looks good on you. I agree with you know, that as well. If, if something doesn't fit you anymore, get rid of it. Um, it, you're not going to be able to wear it and, or it's not going to look good on you. So just get rid of it, donate it to a friend or to a, a shelter or to a organization that needs clothes. Maybe it's a church in your community. Um, and buying pieces that you need and being aware of what you're buying. Uh, I have friends that are stylists and when they're helping their clients curate their closet, the first thing they have their clients do is throw away any or donate anything that's not serving them and then make a list of what they actually need. And you want to think about your lifestyle. So if you are, 
I don't know, if you're an office person and you spend the majority of your time in an office, in a suit, what's in your closet? Does that match what you need to wear to the office? Yeah, you definitely got to keep that in mind. Definitely. It's going to make it easier for you when, you know, pulling those pieces together. And when you have pieces that suit the lifestyle you're living, plus fit your body type well, that's a recipe for great personal style. And I know um, there are some people who have trouble trying to find their niche, what their style is. So it is. But, you know, I'd say at that point, when you see when you're like watching a movie or a television show or flipping through a magazine, what things are you attracted to? What attracted you to it? Are you attracted to bold colors? Are you attracted to tailored pieces? Are you attracted to more fitted pieces? Are you attracted to tight pieces? You know, like you can observe like what others are wearing and and what's your reaction to what you see. If you love bold colors, but yet your wardrobe has nothing but black, maybe that's an opportunity to add some color to your wardrobe. So you feel about your wardrobe the way you felt when you were looking in that magazine. Or if you really love the look of tailored pieces that are, you know, fit well and structured, but in your closet, all you have are like hoodies and leggings, then, and that's what you're wearing all the time, then that might speak to why you're not happy with your wardrobe, because there's a mismatch between what you're naturally drawn to and what you're wearing. So do you do you personally like bright colors or do you like dark colors? I love gray. I love beiges. I, I'm pretty plain and boring sometimes with my clothes. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you're dealing with clothes and fabric all day, you're pretty subdued when it comes to your own stuff. That's what I've noticed. Um, but I, I like neutral colors a lot. I, I live in New York City, so I do have a lot of black as a New Yorker. Um, but I consider black a neutral at this point. I, I wear a lot of gray, a lot of black, a lot of white, a lot of beige, a lot of denim. Um, usually the colors that I wear. I, I just so happen to have on a red sweater today. There you go. You brightened it up a little bit. Yeah, see? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Switch it up every now and then. Up every know. now and then. And, you know, I think a lot of that is kind of related to where you are, too. So I already mentioned that I'm in New York. Um, it can be dirty out in the city, especially if it snows. When it's cold, you know, I'm walking around. Darker colors uh, kind of absorb heat a little bit better. So you'll see a lot of New Yorkers in the wintertime wearing darker colors because it helps to keep them warm. Uh, so that that applies. In the summertime, I'm probably going to have on a lot more bright colors than what I would wear in the wintertime. That's smart dressing right there. Dress according to the season. Exactly. And where you are, like, you know, there's this, this famous um, fashion faux pas that people don't wear white after Labor Day. And, and I don't agree with that. I think if you're in a place where wearing white makes sense and you want to wear white, wear white. Yeah, as I like to say, do you. Yeah. Whatever you, you know, whatever makes you feel good. I think that that's just the goal. If if there there's no real rule 
except how you feel about you. So if wearing the thing or dressing a certain way or, you know, changing your, your, the way you speak to yourself, the goal of it all is so that you are happy with you and you are at peace with you. Yeah, because you don't have peace, then it's a problem. Yeah, because where are you going to go? We have to exist within our, our own mental mind and body. If you, we don't feel comfortable in our skin and in our mind, where do we go? They're like, you you know, Desmond can't leave Desmond's body. You have to stay there. No, you only get one body. <laughs> right. So the, the goal is to be whatever you need to do to be at peace in that body, in that skin, in your mind. Do those things because there's literally nowhere else for you to go. Nope. You're stuck in your body. God only gives you one. He only gives you one. So, and this is it. So do what you need to do to feel great about it. That's right. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) So your next topic is how does someone transition from a nine to five to starting their own business? I'd say start working on it before like plan. So you don't want to like quit your job today and think you're going to have a successful business tomorrow. You probably, once you identify that, you know what, this job isn't for me, I want my own business, then you can start working on an exit strategy to leave your company. Most entrepreneurs and small business owners transition out of their jobs slowly. And it usually takes most people that I've talked to anywhere from like eight months to a year is kind of average time where for that, you know, for eight months to a year time, they're working at their nine to five job and they're also working on their business. There usually is overlap and it's strategic because the first few months or years of having your business, you either A, aren't going to make a ton of revenue or B, if you do make revenue, you might not make profit. So you have to be able to answer how are you paying your rent, your mortgage, your food, your light bill, all your health insurance? Where's that? How's that getting paid? So you still need to have some sort of steady income that you can rely upon. So I would recommend anybody thinking of starting a business. That's great. Congratulations for you. Get your strategy in place. Figure out how much money you're going to need to operate this business. Where's that money coming from? How much, you know, are you going to be able to contribute from your nine to five job and come up with a timeline? I've heard of people where it took them two years to leave their nine to five before they could start working for themselves 100 percent. Some people it took only six months. Some people it took 13 months. It really all depends on the type of business you're going to start, how much money you're making at your nine to five and how much money you can put away to go towards the business. Um, but definitely plan it out, get a business plan, create a timeline, figure out how much everything costs to operate. How much do your, are you a product-based business or a service-based business? If you're a product-based business, how much do your raw materials cost? How frequently do you need to buy them? This is all going to play a part in how quickly you can leave your, your nine to five. Yeah, because you definitely got to plan ahead and have one step at a time. Seriously. And, you know, it's the frustrating, the, the hardest part, I think, is is that that time of 
you're doing both the job and your your business on the side because you're not sleeping a lot in the when that occurs. No, and majority of time your main job is like you were talking about to help pay your bills or you got family to take care of is going toward that, even though your real love and passion is for your business. So you have to juggle. Yeah. The only people I've ever met that didn't need to do it that way, probably either a came from money or B they were able to secure uh, funding or investment for their business to where they were able to get an owner's draw right away. Yeah, I've heard both some of, of the same stories. Rare. Both of those things are rare. <laughs> Very rare. That's why it's so rewarding and satisfying when you can start your own business from scratch and make it successful. Yes. So your last question is a two-parter. So you talked about this all the way at the beginning of the pod a little bit. What did you like about being in fitness competitions and what you didn't like being part of them? What I liked about being part of it is, um, you know, shallowly, the, the way you look, you look amazing. Um, I, I don't think I've ever looked as tone and fit ever in my life. Um, what I didn't like about it, it's a job, you know, and, and, you don't get necessarily paid for it unless you're like at the very top, top, top of your, your game. It's a lot of work. I was working out twice a day, six days a week. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Morning and night I would wake up at, at the time I still had my nine to five uh, and I was doing my business on the side. So I'd wake up at like five 30 I'd go run and do my cardio for about an hour. I'd come back, I'd shower, get ready, change for work, go to work, eat my breakfast at work, you know, have a full work day, leave work around 6.30, um, go straight from work to the gym, work out for another hour and a half, um, go home and eat dinner and get ready to do it all over again. And that was my life for probably three years. Um, and it was a lot of work. It definitely sounds like it. You had a bunch of things to juggle at the same time. So I know those days you were spent. Yeah. At one point I was planning my wedding. I was, you know, I, at one point I had left my company that I, my nine to five, and now I'm working for myself full time. And, at the time, I was uh, doing pop-ups around New York. So that made it even more complicated. I was running around the city trying to, you know, buy fabric and go to the sample room and go to the studio and go to the gym and plan my wedding and taste cake, you know. It was, um, it was really, really difficult and just very demanding physically, mentally, and emotionally. And when you're working out at that level, so much of it is mental and you have to wake up in the, in a good frame of mind and, and be, be present, be there to, to see the growth that you're looking for. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause if your mental isn't right, then the rest of your body won't either. So true. So at this point in the podcast, 
I always turn it over to my guests and you can ask me any question that you want. Oh, wow. Um, what made you want to start a podcast? <laughs> That's the most popular one. So first and foremost, before I even started one, I always listen to a variety of different podcasts, whether it had to do with sports, whether it had to do with um, fitness, crime. I've listened to all of them. I like to soak up uh, much information as I can to grow as a person. So I transitioned that into my own podcast, which originally started as just a hobby. I was just doing it for fun. But over time, I started growing to love it. And I'm getting to know people around the world from different walks of life and learning new things I didn't know about. So that's awesome. Definitely. So I um, created a website for the podcast. I dropped merchandise for it, too. So Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm also hustling outside my job. So aren't we all? <laughs> That's the goal, right? That's the goal. <laughs> so before we end this thing, um, is there anything you would like to say to the listeners? Anything new you have coming up? You got any fashion shows, anything going on? I don't have any fashion shows, but I am working on a collection for summer and hopefully you'll see it in some stores near you around the summertime. Um, if not, you can always go to my website, nickhill.com. That's N-I-C-H-Y-L. And I also have a fashion program to help teach people who want to solve their product development and production problems. So if you're just starting a brand and you need help to figure out how to go about developing your product or producing your product, um, you can check out my program, Nick Hill Fashion University, um, N-I-C-H-Y-L, fashionuniversity.com. All right, y'all. Make sure you follow her, man. Make sure you support. Yes, please. And I'm at Nick Hill Clothing on Instagram. There you go, guys. Make sure you follow her now. Run up them numbers. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you once again for coming on to the pod. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me, Desmond. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Of course. Likewise, um, you take care and have a good night and stay warm because it's cold outside. I'm in Jersey, so I know. Yes, it is cold outside. I'm in for the rest of the night. There you go. Stay warm, Desmond. Bye. You take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.